Hi, this is Drinks with Shan. Firstly, I just want to say a big thank you to everyone who listened and shared their opinions on my first episode. I really appreciate it. I really want to continue bringing you valuable conversations. My next guest is a tech and gaming YouTuber and blogger who entered the world of esports broadcasting in 2016. She quickly cemented herself as a leading host, interviewer, and MC for gaming and technology-related events in South Africa, and has since worked at various esports events in Europe and Asia, including Overwatch contenders. I'm talking about no other than Sam Wright, aka Tech Girl. Welcome to Drinks with Chat. I'm so excited to have my coffee. I'm ready for the chat. I got everything set up. This is long overdue. We've needed a catch up for a while. Definitely, and you know, I'm so glad that I can have you on the podcast. This is my second episode, so you know, you are a very special person to me, and I'm glad that we could just sit while、well, you have a cup of coffee. I have a cup of tea. And you know, just talk about your journey in the industry, because I remember when I started blogging. You know, after a couple months in, I discovered you. So we we started around the same time, I think. Not sure,、uh, but let's talk about it. When did it all begin for you, and what inspired inspired you to start blogging and and becoming a YouTuber? So it's interesting because. I sort of only took it seriously a few years ago, but before Tickle, the the blog that people know now, I actually had a blog before that, which I've since deleted from the internet. It doesn't exist. There's not a single trace of it.、Um, because I was working in in corporate. I actually worked in fixed fire security, which is quite a confusing. Uh, uh, engineering space, and it was driving me insane. I'd studied journalism, I'd worked in news, I'd always written, and I'd moved into this very corporate, sort of serious role. And I needed an outlet, so I set up this personal blog. And it was at a time where, like, social media wasn't really that big. So if you were blogging, you know, it was just you spitting some stuff out onto the internet, and there was no, there was no worry about what would come back. And I actually specifically used to blog about my dating life because I had the worst,、wow. yeah, the worst taste in men. So I used to share all my horrible first date stories. I think I also shared a story. I was dating someone, and I went to his house and realized he didn't have a door on his bathroom. Uh, and I, I had like this complete meltdown about having to pee in front of someone. <laughs> so I mean, that was the sort of stuff I used to write. And then it was kind of all over the place. But slowly but surely, on that blog, I still remember it was called that place in my head. I was doing more and more like sort of tech tips and advice because people,、yeah. my friends, would ask me, and I, I she also thought, you know what? There's there's a space here. I, I chatted to someone who said, why don't you set up a blog that's specifically focused on like tech tips and advice because. Women, I, at that stage, there wasn't any sort of blogs. I mean, for for tech,、mm. full stop. I think there was like one、yeah. other,、uh, which which was written by by a gen called Leron. But one of my friends said, "Why don't you take what you're doing and and just put it on an actual blog where we can go? Because we're sick and tired of of reading the same old stuff by the same old people. Like you kind of bring in. There was a, a sort of humor to it, and I also think women women use gadgets differently.、Uh, mm, there are certain. Yeah, there's certain things that we care about, and I, I know a lot of like hardcore technology journalists will say it's it's sort of superficial and silly, but 
the, the, something as, as simple as, as the cover on your phone and whether it gets scratched by your keys in your handbag, that's a big deal to me. If I'm going to pay 15 grand for a phone, I don't want to scratch it. You know, like things like yeah. that sort of were, were conversations we were having. And that was how Tickle started. And then it just kind of blew up. It wasn't really, it wasn't a plan or anything. It just kind of, I started it. I was having a good time writing my, I used to write my little blog posts on a Sunday and then schedule them for the week. And then all of a sudden, I think it was like four months in where suddenly someone said to me, no, your numbers are actually really good blogger and this is pretty decent. And then brands started contacting me and all of a sudden it was like a thing and this blog existed. So it wasn't planned, but yeah, that's that's where it started, writing about my horrible dating life. <laughs> it's, it's quite interesting at how you discovered your niche. And I think a lot of people don't get this part you know sometimes you start with a completely different niche in mind and you end up somewhere else just because you know you've been in the space and other people have watched you grow and then you realize okay maybe I should be focusing on this particular topic more than just you know dating which is what you did let's talk about how you managed to stay consistent and you know provide relatable content because uh, now in 2020, there's so many influences. And I know your blog still exists. You still do um, YouTube. And of course, now you're streaming on Facebook as well. And and one of the difficult parts is, you know, trying to stay relevant all the time. How do you manage to do this? So I think this was always like, this is a conversation I see a lot of people having. And I think it goes back to what you were mentioning about your niche. So everyone's like, find your niche and then that's what you should stick to. And I think that's difficult when you're a blogger, or at least I found it quite difficult because my blog was me sharing myself. So I never considered myself, uh, I've obviously, I work as a journal, I worked as a journalist as well. So I understood what journalism looked like. And I was well aware that that wasn't what I was doing. It was very opinionated. It was, it was sharing a lot of me. So even though I might be talking about a product or doing a review, I was putting a lot of my own pers- personality into it. And because of that, unfortunately, or fortunately, we as humans change and our interests change. I mean, you've seen that you, you started as a mommy blogger. Now you, you're doing, you know, entrepreneurial content because your, yeah. your interests change. And so for mm. me, that was the, the big thing for me was I started in tech and they were, uh, the, the gaming was always an interest. I was actually too scared to write about it in the beginning, uh, because of the way females were perceived in the space at the time. So even though gaming was an interest, I didn't share it. Then when I started getting more comfortable and, and I had some mentors say to me, you know, you, you should be okay with this. Then I, I started sharing that. And obviously from there, some things happened in my life that made me want to promote esports. And because of that, kind of then started the esports content, then got a job, started getting jobs in esports. So there was more esports and gaming that, that then featured. And I think it was more an organic process for me in terms of talking about things that I love and still remaining within the niche per se, but making sure that for me, the most important thing when you're a content creator is, is being truthful and honest with who you are. So I've always tried to not hide the fact that sort of what you see is is what you get some people I rub up the wrong way I'm quite brash I'm a little bit sarcastic I'm a bit cheeky and I've always tried to include that in my content so so it's easier then to to stay relevant and move because you can't you're not this we're not the we're not brands we're people we change so we can talk about those things in terms of moving to other platforms as well that was just about going where my audience was so I would I've still got the blog and it's still I've still got Uh, I mean, the numbers haven't changed. People are still coming to it. But I started to realize that I was spending a lot of time on Twitch, on YouTube, on Facebook, watching live streamers, commenting on their streams. And a lot of the my community was there doing that too. So it makes sense to go 
where the community is, uh, which is why I started that. I don't really consider myself a streamer. It's more like a hobby, but I know that there's my communities there. So I want to go and see them, if that makes sense. So that's like another way of just engaging with your community. Yes, that's the way I see it. So I think like a lot of people start out and go, okay, I'm going to be a professional Instagrammer. And then that's it. They yeah. just do it. Or I'm going to be a professional YouTuber or I'm going to be a professional streamer. And that's cool. Like you have your thing, you do that. For me, that was never really the case. I had the blog. I never really saw it as a profession. It became a profession. Um, then I moved into esports, which I, now I consider my sort of esports shoutcasting role. That, that's my job. That's what sort of pays the bills. But in terms of like streaming and Instagram and all the other platforms, it was more just a one. I'm curious about social media by nature and technology. It's something I love. So of course, I'm going to go into all the different platforms and, and have a little look around and see. And then when I see that my community's there, I stick around. So that's kind of the way that I've done that. I don't really ever look at it. I know a lot of other people, like I said, will be like, I'm going to be a professional streamer. And now every day from 10 till 3, you're going to watch me play games on Facebook. I'm... I'm not really like that. I, I can't even stick to a schedule. So it's more sort of, I'm just having fun and testing out the platforms. And if I see something that I enjoy and it sticks and it's working for me, then obviously I'll do more of that. But I, I think I take a non-traditional approach to this. I think a lot of other people try and be very like business oriented about it. Whereas I'm kind of like, oh, we'll just give it a go. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. You know, what, what are you going to lose? I love that though. I, I think lots of people are scared to take that step. Because, you know, you're not sure what to expect. But you'll only know if you do test it out, as you said. So I want to talk about, you know, when you started blooming in this industry, a lot of people said you wouldn't succeed. Um, and, you know, as a, as a woman in tech, as myself, I can, I, you know, I understand you, you know, pitching in a startup competitions, etc. But you managed to prove them wrong. And you just like, all of a sudden I was like, wow, Sam's here, Sam's there, Sam's everywhere, Sam's traveling the world. And how, how was that process, you know, dealing with negativity and people trying to bring you down and you still pushing and believing yourself and, you know, just doing better and better every month or every day, you know, how, how was that process? I used to, when, I mean, not this exact question, but when similar questions were asked, I'd always sort of. I'd like cover it in, in cookies and sunshine and, and try and play it down. But I, I've kind of decided this year to be a little bit more honest. I mean, it's hard. And it's, it's interesting when you say they used to say that. I mean, they still do. Like I, the negativity is still there. I found it really difficult when I started in sort of the tech space. There was no, the, the concept of a blogger was very odd and very strange. You had your tech media who worked for newspapers and, and websites and they wrote their things and that was it. And I came in, one being quite a young girl who was very loud and vivacious and, and whatever, doing this blog, which didn't make sense to them and running around talking to her phone. And it was weird for me because it always starts the same where a bunch of people will come to, to like, you know, these sort of the, the established few will come and tell you how in their own polite way. And I, I do think that they mean well, where they basically tell you how this works which is really weird to me. So it would be like, well, this is the pecking order. This is how things are done. And I'd kind of sit there being like, nah, I don't, that, it doesn't really suit me. Um, and then when they see that you're not willing to sort of toe the line, then you get those comments of you're never going to make it. You just, you, you're lying. You're not really here because you're interested in this stuff. It's just because you've, you want to make money or you want to do this or, or whatever. And I've dealt with that a lot. I've dealt with it in tech and I dealt with it in esports 
I still deal with it in esports quite a bit. Uh, and to be fair, it's hard. I think it turns, I feel that it's, it's had a negative effect on me. I think it's turned me into a far more negative person than when I started. When I started, I was very open to every time I met someone new, I was so excited. Uh, and I was always like keen to collaborate and I was, I'd be so excited when I met another content creator because we shared this and I, now I'm much more reserved, uh, which I don't like. I'm, I'm far less trusting of people, which is sad. It's sad that that's happened. And I do think that that's the negativity. Mm. You know, you, you come to a point where you kind of go, Oh, I, I don't know. And I'm, I'm a bit more withdrawn. So I share a lot less of myself on the internet. Whereas before I used to be quite an open book. So it's had that effect in terms of like, the, the fact of the matter is that a lot of people have said you can't do it. When it came to tech, they said I couldn't do it. When I got into esports, everyone was just like, you do not belong here. You have to get out. I just put my head down and I carried on working. I don't like people telling me what I can and can't do. I'm not like I'm a bit of an anarchist. Like, don't tell me. Don't tell me what the rules are because I will find a way to break them. Uh, so I think it's in my nature to just go, no. So if you tell me something, I'll just be like, no, my mom will tell you when I was a kid, she'd say to us, don't go do this. And I'd be the first one to run out and go and do it. Um, so I think when people said to me, you couldn't do it, it, it kind of fueled me a little bit and, and drove me. So I just put my head down and carried on. I've had to learn for my own sanity and my own mental health that it doesn't, as much as I say this, it still affects me every day, but I constantly try to tell myself it doesn't matter what people say. It really doesn't matter, but I do find it really tough. And I do think that the, the negativity, and I think this goes in, in any industry, in any sort of situation, whether you're an entrepreneur or you're a content creator, is that that negativity can be very draining and people don't, yeah. they don't see it. So it can be draining on your personal relationships. I know that my boyfriend who I've now been with for three years has, he has had to deal with some horrible times where I've had complete breakdowns about people being mean, which sounds ridiculous when you say it, but that's exactly what it is. And and not people in terms of the community or viewers watching something. I'm talking about people who work in the industry. So people you have to do work with um, or, or competitors for want of a better term. He's had to deal with that. Mm. And I do think it's, it's quite a, it's quite draining on you personally. And then you don't feel like you can share it. You don't feel like you can talk about it. You feel like you have to be super upbeat and positive at all times because you're scared of rocking the boat, which makes it worse. And I know, I know I'm not the only one because when we speak privately, you know, content creators and, and entrepreneurs, yeah. we all feel the same. It's hard. And it's, I think it's a, it, it comes with the territory, but it is very difficult. And at some point I actually said this two days ago, funny enough, I said, I'm getting a little bit tired of constantly after what I think I've achieved, which is a lot in, in our small industry constantly having to defend myself because I'm female, you know, because people constantly, yeah. oh, but she only got there because she's a girl. Well, no, I, I got, yeah, I'm always like, I guarantee you if a guy was doing what I was doing, he'd get far more, he would get further far yeah. quicker because the, the, the sort of the barriers that I had to knock down. Cause I find when we're women, we're held to like this completely different standard. So you either have to be mm. the absolute best and then they'll kind of go, yeah, that's fine. But if you're like average, then you're not allowed. But so, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm rambling on, but basically it's tough. <laughs> it's tough. No, I, I totally get you. I, I totally understand where you're coming from. And I'm glad that you actually touched on it a little bit more because I think a lot of us can relate with what you're saying. So on that note, okay, I'm going to ask you, this question you must probably laugh but anyway 
what exactly is esports and what op- opportunities are there in the space this is for people that don't really know the industry well this is my favorite question to answer because i love trying to explain this in in ways that make sense so basically video games are video games right so imagine gaming is is kind of like a, a sport is sports right so it's, it's sports in general let's use super so it's super sports and then you've got rugby on super sports and football on super sport and cricket on super sport and all of that video games are like that so you've got video games but then you've got all these different games and the different games are completely different to one another so you've got different types of games everything from bejeweled which most people have played to the sims to uh, a game called CS:GO where you're shooting people so you've got these different styles esports is where you take some of those games and you turn them into a competitive nature so it's it's competitive video games but within esports you've got you've got the rugby world cup the football world cup the cricket world cup it's pretty much the same you have esports as the the overarching bubble and then underneath that you've got these different t- titles that are all competitive everything from mortal combat tournaments to csgo tournaments unfortunately no sims that's not something that's competitive oh man damn uh, <laughs> but so you've got these competitive titles and it's basically people play games to be competitive they want to see who the best of the best is if you're playing fifa with your friends this is happens to so many people when they when they're having a barbecue or they're just sitting you know around on a weekend they'll pick up a console and you have like a mini tournament in in your house competing to see who the best is that's basically esports is that but just on a professional level wow okay cuz yeah i've i've seen the ind- industry just like kind of explode over the last two years especially here in South Africa. So let's talk about it in South Africa. Is it actually growing? Are there opportunities, you know, for people to make this a career, make money out of it? I think that there are opportunities, but I do think that it's very important that people go in with their eyes wide open. So we are in South Africa, it's very much at its infancy stage. So it's still very new. There's a lot of people who are working in the scene who are not being paid, who are doing this just because they love it. And it's not at a place where you can walk in and and sort of guarantee yourself a career. The reason that I ended up going overseas was because the opportunity arose and I realized that if I wanted to make this a job, it wasn't I could I'd need to be going overseas for a few years until such time as the local industry had built to a level where it could sustain me to, and I could stay here. So I think that that's the first thing that people need to understand is that a lot of the opportunity is more overseas than local at the moment. So turning it into a career locally can be difficult. But also there needs to be an understanding and this is this is always a tough conversation to have with anyone is that in esports if you want to be a competitive gamer you've got to be the best. Much like if you're playing a football game, not everyone is is going to be the best at football. Not everyone's going to be the best at esports. From a commentating and and broadcast perspective, much like if you were trying to be a TV host not everyone makes it some people get a lucky break some people have the talents and and the comp- the competitive side of that means that it's not necessarily a guarantee that if you sit down today and go I'm going to be an esports shoutcaster that you're going to be guaranteed work for the next 2 years you are you're working in the talent industry whether you like it or not and and that's that's a tough space and the sporting industry as well but there are opportunities graphic design video production is a desperate need for marketing and social media so there are spaces and i think in the next 2 years the south african industry will be developed where there will be careers available right now though it is still very young so if you're coming in you got to you got to have an appetite for risk that's what the entrepreneurs always say right an appetite for risk when it comes to mm. startups 
esports is like a giant startup in South Africa at the moment. So you got to be prepared for, for that and to learn. I think there's still a lot of learnings that have to happen locally so that we can forge our own path and, and have our own voice as opposed to just copy what we're seeing overseas. Let's talk about YouTube a little bit because I've seen a ton of YouTubers, you know, stream them playing games and I think, you know, Roblox is one of the big ones now. Um, and, you know, the younger generation just love watching this. And I'm like, why you want to watch someone else playing games? I don't see the fun in it. But my daughter wants to be a gamer. So she's, um, you know, kind of obsessed with just watching people playing games. And she pretends to do this at home. So you really inspire her. And, you know, she tells me, Mom, I want to start a YouTube channel because I want to do this. You know, and I want to have lots of followers. So sh- is this something that, you know, South Africans should look at, like start streaming games on YouTube? Can you make money of it? What has your journey been on YouTube like? So YouTube, I, I don't stream games on YouTube. I have a love-hate relationship with YouTube. Um, the games that I play, so I, I play a lot of sort of friendly for all games, but then I also play a lot of shooting games. Uh, and obviously shooting games... Okay are normally age restricted um, because of shooting people and so YouTube isn't very nice about that sort of content Um, obviously they want to protect kids and I completely respect that so that content for me doesn't get seen and I'm a different I'm a different scenario I have a friend who's on YouTube who does extremely well but he only does shooting so YouTube knows that he only does that and so they serve his content to only people that can watch it Whereas I'm a bit of a difficult one because I have a mix. I go from the hardcore shooting games to Animal Crossing on a Switch, which is very kid-friendly. So YouTube struggles to to find my space. Um, I do stream on Facebook and Twitch. So I do that live streaming thing where I'm playing games and people watch, which I always find quite funny because uh, I speak to a lot of people who go, I don't get it. I don't understand why you would watch someone else play games. My, my, That's my, me. My <laughs> other who is... Probably the most passionate gamer I know will not watch live streams. He doesn't get it. I get it though. So for me, there's a couple of reasons why I like watching people play games. The, the first is sometimes I can't afford the game. I can't buy all the games and play all the games. I don't have time and I don't have the money. So sometimes yeah. I'll see a game and I'll be like, I really like that game. I like the look of it, but it's not for me. So a perfect example is The Witcher. Beautiful game. I think it's one of the best games of all time. It's obviously now a Netflix series. It's incredible. I know that I'm not going to pour 50, 60, 70 to 100 hours into that game. It's not my style of game. So I love to watch people play it on Twitch or Facebook or YouTube because I get to experience the entire game without having to play it um, and put that sort of time in. So that's the first reason I think people watch. The second reason is also just because it's a fun way to learn. So for me, with some of the more competitive games I play, watching streams helps me learn new strategies. I I can learn from other players and and get ideas from them. And then the final thing is really, and I think this is what the crux of it is, it's community. So the reason people watch live streams is a community that builds around the person that's streaming or the people that are streaming. So you're learning from them, you're experiencing a game with them, but there's also a community that builds. So much like any content, the people that are watching those streams are probably into the same things that you're interested in. They like the same games as you. They like the streamer and you like that streamer and you end up, it, it builds a, a community and that's really what it's about. There's like an instant access to it. So I think that's why people watch games and why people watch other people play video games. Uh, and video games are beautiful to look at, most of them. So there's an entertaining thing, but it is very much 
more based on the community, I think, than than what people realize. It's very strange if that's not your thing. So, like for example, my my significant other has zero interest in having friends on the internet. He's got his friends and he plays his game. So for him, watching a stream makes no sense because he doesn't really want to engage with the community. The streamers of no interest to him. Yeah. He'll watch a YouTube video for the tips so he can learn something, but that's it. So, yeah, I mean, live streaming is a special one, but I really love it. I think there's so many channels with it, and if if that's if that's something that your daughter wants to do, I think it can be really exciting. I think it's a fun space to be in, and there's streamers that make a fortune. There's guys that have blown up, and they're making just off subscriptions. People subscribe to your channel uh, on Twitch, and if they subscribe, you get two dollars. Donations. I mean, I know people that are basically funding. I think it's a, there's a South African girl called Joey Bear, who lives in Cape Town. She's a phenomenal streamer. She streams every day for eight hours. She pays all her bills with, wow. with her subscriptions and her donations. So it is possible to make a living out of it. Wow. Okay, that's interesting. What basic equipment do you need to start off? I'm guessing you need a a good computer. But is there anything else? You know, if you want to start your gaming journey or you know try to be competitive and get into the esports space so you, what's the basic so you need a computer or a console so if you have a, a playstation or xbox you can actually stream direct from your playstation or your xbox and okay. then if you have a ideally you want a computer because a computer's got the the processing power so what i do for example is i have something called a game capture device those are normally about 2000 rand which is quite pricey but the game capture device you can then plug into your Xbox your PlayStation and your Switch and then what happens is is that the game capture device captures the game footage and sound on your computer so what that means is that ah. the console you're not having if you're playing an online game on your console and you're streaming that's that's a lot of processing power that's happening whereas if you use the game capture mm. card the console's just focusing on the game the game capture card's feeding it to your computer and your computer's sending the stream out. Um, that for me, it, you can then also, what's cool about that is you can then, there's free software that you can get called OBS where you can put your face in with a, if you've got a webcam, you can put your face on there. You can add all the bits and the lights and make it really fun and interactive if, if people want access to that. The software is free. You can do, I've got transitions going, music plays when certain things happen. You can basically create an entire TV production with this free software which is amazing wow. uh so so that's kind of what you need but you ideally need a computer that can handle that and that's a big one and then obviously if you want to play games on your computer and stream you're going to need a computer that's that's got the power to do that so an entry-level laptop's not going to be able to do that you you do have to spend a bit of cash for for a sort of more high-end type of device but if you've got a game capture card and you're playing on your console, then a mid-range laptop can do the streaming for you as well. So it's really just coming down to where do you want to play? What do you want to play on? And do you want to live stream or do you want to pre-record? So I think that that's also something to think about. Some people aren't great live streaming. They're, they're not comfortable, uh, but they're really good at pre-recorded stuff. I, I like to suggest, especially like you mentioned with your daughter, for, for younger players to rather pre-record as opposed to live stream because a live stream, the comments are live and you can't control yeah. what's going on. Whereas pre-recorded, you can kind of control that a little bit better. So basically so long as you have a computer that you can set this up on you're pretty much good to go but if you don't need all the bells and whistles and the fancy stuff and the, the webcam you can literally stream off your playstation or your xbox direct interesting so what platforms should 
one consider first? I know you mentioned Twitch a lot, and that is a gaming platform. So Twitch is, yeah, that's just, it's game, it's live streaming. I think Twitch is, is a place that you go if if you're one over 18, it's the first thing. And two, yeah. understanding that Twitch has no algorithm. So you play on Twitch, if you tell people to come watch you, they come watch you. If, if they don't, there's no way for them to discover you per se, unless they're scrolling through hundreds of thousands of other people live and they happen upon your broadcast. Twitch is the place that people go to watch streamers. That's kind of the given. But saying that, YouTube's live streaming functionality is fantastic. And obviously, I also think YouTube is a greater space for, for younger audiences because it is more safer. So I, like I mentioned, I've had my headaches with, with YouTube. But I think if I had okay. a, a daughter who said she wanted to create content or, or stream games, YouTube would be where I send her over Twitch just because of okay. who, what the community is like. And obviously also there's Facebook, which Facebook has really upped their game for their, their gaming content. Uh, their live streaming platform, they're improving it all the time. They were a little bit slower to the party, um, but they've gradually improved it. What I think is is important to look at as well, as much as I, I think that you should do things for fun, I do think that, that monetization comes into it at some point. So it's important to look Twitch. Twitch's monetization is pretty good. You you get subscribers, and for every subscriber, I think they pay four dollars. You get two dollars of that. You can also run ads on Twitch at your discretion. You choose when you want to run them, and they'll pay you for that as well. So you can also ask for donations. So that's that's the way you can monetize Twitch. On and obviously, I'm I'm not including like endorsement deals and all of the fancy stuff that comes later. Yeah. On YouTube, obviously, people can follow and subscribe. You don't necessarily get money, but they can still donate. And I do believe YouTube now is offering paid subscriptions. So if fans really love you, they can pay to subscribe to you and you can give them access to special content. Facebook is slowly trying to roll in monetization by putting ads into gaming content. And they've also started including something in Twitch. They call them bits. So you can cheer and the bits, every uh, amount of bits you use. I think they're like 50 cents or whatever. The more you cheer, obviously, the more money the streamer makes. I believe Facebook is bringing in something similar as well, or has already. Very similar to TikTok, uh, it originated on Twitch, which is basically if you cheer that the person you're watching gets a little bit of money. So Facebook is trying to catch up. I think that they've realized that the gaming audience is good. If it comes to watching content, for me, watching live streams on Facebook, based in South Africa, is the best place to do it. Um, I think the quality is the best on Facebook. Wow, okay, interesting. What are your top three favorite games? I know this is a difficult question. This is like the worst question because they change like every... So my all-time favorite game is Mortal Kombat 3. That's the game that kind of I I learned to play. I learned to use cheats on. Uh, That was was kind of the game. I felt like that kind of got me into where I am today. Uh, Because I remember... It was back when the internet was not a great place to be. Like you, it wasn't as easy as what it is now where you just smash some stuff into Google. Like you had to, I'm revealing my age, but you had to like really look at, I mean, you had a hotmail address and you had to like, to find stuff was difficult. And I remember spending hours when I was like 11 or 12 trying to work out how the internet worked so that I could find the necessary cheats to get like baby fatalities in Mortal Kombat just to turn my character into a baby. Like, it was ridiculous stuff like that, but that game kind of was just the, the first. So that's definitely the, the one of the top ones. I think the second one for me is is a game called Overwatch. Um, more because of the impact in the, it had on my life in the sense that it, it was my big game changer. I ended up going overseas for a year 
to work on on their competitive broadcast and I was living in the Ukraine for like five six weeks at a time and then coming home for a little bit so even though it wasn't necessarily my favorite game of all time to play I think it's it's up there as one of my favorite games just because it has like a lot of sentimental value <laughs> if that makes sense and then I mm. think yeah my my yes. final sort of favorite game would definitely be any of the doom games I just think that they're the music the design shooting demons makes you feel good saving humanity <laughs> that's that's i'm a shooting game fan so so i suppose yeah i'm all about the that. shooting right ask someone else i mean but there's so many if i just think about games that have had like an impact on me even the sims like flip, i've played that game everyone's yeah. played that game you know like they're just mm. I, the problem if you play it too much you like can't get out of it it's, it's like that's the problem with games for me i feel like once i get hooked it's hard for me to come out of I'm that little stuck bubble. right now so in the last sort of three weeks i started playing a game that's been out forever called tom clancy's rainbow six siege it's been around forever i just really didn't get in on it uh and then i started playing it and the learning curve is really difficult so it's like very very when you start playing it it's just very hard to understand the game and learn all the things i've been playing it for three weeks but i'm so obsessed with this game so i stream it nearly every day now then when i finish streaming i go back to work at five o'clock like i rush to get like my because i obviously am an adult so i have to like be an adult and do washing and cook dinner and whatever else and then i'm yeah. right back at my computer playing siege and i realized last night when it was like 12 o'clock and i knew we, we had to do the, we were doing this podcast quite early in the morning and i was like you have to go to bed you can't keep playing this game and i think that that's <laughs> but i love that i think like during difficult times especially like during covid when we're when it's locked down that gaming for me is, has been a lifesaver. When I was, when I was in the Ukraine working, we only worked sort of two, three days a week. And the rest of the time we were in the apartments, but it was like minus eight outside. No one speaks English. So wow. you're just never leaving the apartment, which could drive most people insane. But I would just spend every night playing yeah. Sea of Thieves with my friends in South Africa. That's a game where you pretend to be a pirate and you just sail a ship around. And that just sucks up. I mean, you've got eight hours that are gone in an instance and you're like, okay, cool. Now I can go to bed. So I do, it's mm. dangerous, but it's also really good. So it just depends which side of the fence you want to sit on today. I read an article last night, actually, that said video games are the new form of media. Do, do you agree with um, that? I don't think they're new. I, th- I mean, yes and no. I think that a lot of mainstream people are jumping onto the concept of video games now. Uh, I think video games and creation and content creation around games have been around for so long. So I think for, for those of us that have been playing our whole time, we're like, where have you been? Um, but I do think that yeah. it is a new form of media. Just look at what Fortnite's doing. I mean, they, they've got one of the biggest player bases, but then they do those. I mean, I don't know if you saw the Travis Scott, they did a live concert. Uh, and, and that was such an in- incredible way to engage people, you know, for them to feel like they were actually at a Travis Scott com- uh, at a concert. So not only are they in game playing their game with their friends, then they're watching Travis Scott uh, perform his new song. And then when they switch off the console, they're going to YouTube to watch their favorite streamer play a competitive game or they're watching a, a video about tips on, on how to get good or tips on how to get new skins or whatever else. So I do think it is like a new form of media. It's a fantastic way to like communicate with people. And I do think, I mean, this stands, this has happened for years 
Uh, games have an incredible way to share important messages. So like a lot of the things that we, we maybe don't see as much though is that there's so many video games out there that, that focus on really topical issues and that's, that try and address them, you know? Um, I played a game recently, which was just, I actually had to stop playing it because it was so emotional. It made me cry. But basically what it was was this, this woman had created this game because she had a very bad relationship with her parents growing up. Her brother died and she felt that her parents blamed her. And, and because of that, the path that it led her down is she fell into this, this horrible depression. And the entire video game you play as this young girl who is in the most, is, is sort of traversing the most beautiful landscapes. But every so often this dark monster comes onto the landscape and darkens it and you have to fight the monster. And basically the entire game was about fighting depression. And I think, wow, it's deep. But I mean, deep. when you play the game, you don't realize that. Uh, you just feel all the emotions yeah. because that was the thing. By using lights and color and music, she made you feel exactly the same way I think most people feel when they, when they fall into those holes, you know. And and that was her way of addressing that and trying to share with people what that feels like. So, I think games definitely. I wouldn't say the new form of media, but I think they've been a form of media for a long time. And I think with technology now, we're we're moving into a space where we can utilize them a lot more, hopefully for good and to share good messages and to improve diversity. That's what I'd like to see from video games. Uh, and I think that we have the power to do it. Okay, so two more questions, Sam, before I let you go. Um, what advice do you have for the younger generation and maybe other women who want to enter the space and follow your footsteps? So then my first bit of advice is make sure you're coming in for the right reasons. Um, so like we, we spoke about it right at the start, but lots of people were, were saying, you know, you're never going to make it and you're this and you're that. I think the fact I could stick through it and as much as it upset me and I spoke about how it upset me, the fact that I could carry on and still do what I needed to do is because I'm very passionate about what I'm doing. I love what I'm doing. I absolutely love waking up in the morning and being able to, to do the things that I do. If I didn't love this, I don't think I would have stuck around. So I think that's the first thing is I, I always worry. Sometimes people look at something and go, oh, that's a niche that I should get into because no one else is there because all the self-help books have told them that. Don't come, don't, don't enter the space for when it comes to tech and gaming and, and content creation. If that's, if that's your goal is because you think there's a niche, you need to come here because you love it. That, that would be my first thing. Then my second thing is just try and remember always that people, there will be people that love you and there will be people that hate you and you cannot control any of that. So you've just got to keep, there will be people that will tell you what you're doing is trash and there will be people that will tell you they love what you're doing. And sometimes the people who tell you they love what you're doing three months down the line will tell you it's trash. Like you have to realize that the world is fickle. And if you are creating things that you love, none of that will matter. It'll just be periphery noise. So, I mean, that would be my my advice. Super unhelpful if you want to start. Wow. I mean, it's all just like emotional mind no. bendy stuff. I should be like giving you proper advice. Like you need to save X amount of money to buy this gear. Yeah. <laughs> but instead I'm like, Airy fairy, feel good life. That that's a lot like me, but I think we we mean it from a good place because we've been there, we've been through that you know that beginning, and we know how it is. And sometimes people just don't take this seriously. So you kind of reminding people what happens, especially you know being out there and exposing yourself to like thousands of millions of people. Last question. 
What do you love about being an love, entrepreneur? I absolutely love being in a position to make mistakes, fail hard and just get up and carry on in a different direction. I think when you're working for someone and you're working for a boss or you've you've got and and you've got that that situation you're not free to explore new avenues you're not free to move away from the confines of what the job tells you you have to do and it was something that I really struggled with I have worked in like I mentioned I've worked in corporate situations before and I hated that you're stuck in this box and they don't let you out of the box because they know that that works and that's it being an entrepreneur is great because you can fail you can stumble a million times and sometimes you can stumble forward and and you're free to kind of explore and try new things and i always say you can throw a million things at the wall to see what sticks and that's okay because the only person that that's affected by it is you and that's what i love and i think that i think entrepreneurship there's there's a lot of talk around it and it it some people are really harsh on it some people hop it up too much but i think that the one thing that they miss out with entrepreneurship is the creativity that you're afforded when you're your own boss which you don't get anywhere else and the ability to to test new ideas and to most importantly for me is i love the fact that i'm allowed to fail and the only person that i'm accountable to is myself and some of the people that i pay but wow. i mean i'll just they'll still get paid so they're okay <laughs> <laughs> no, I absolutely love that. I'm like, you know, I'm cheering here and clapping silently because that was just like it was it was really good. I I it's deep deep stuff, Steph. You had to end us up. Yeah, I need to so I emotional. need to find I need to find the <laughs> but, inner hook so that everyone comes back to listen to the next episode. Yes. Definitely. Thank you so much for doing this podcast with me. I think you you've given some Easter eggs and golden nuggets here that you know is really going to help many people, especially me since my daughter wants to be a gamer. Where can they find you, Sam? Because I know you're all over social media. You're on TechGirl.co. So yeah, you can find me on my blog. Else. It's TechGirl.co today. Otherwise, I am TechGirlZA on all the things: Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Twitch. The only place I'm not TechGirlZA is YouTube. On YouTube, I'm Sam Wright TechGirl, and only because. I actually booked the TechGirl domain on YouTube years ago, forgot the login details for that email address and now cannot get it back. So I haven't, but I just can't get it. But oh, otherwise TechGirlZA everywhere else. And you have a segment yes, on Yes, so I do FM, a show right? on 5FM every Thursday night between Hoppers 10, and Hoppers, uh, Hoppers 10 and 11. It's called Hot Drop. We just talk about gaming news and then we answer gaming questions. So I'm now basically your gaming and tech sort of uh, customer support every Thursday night on 5FM. <laughs> Yay! So if you want to see more behind-the-scenes vlogs of events, live streams and interviews from Sam, go follow her on social media because I promise you she is very entertaining. I sometimes end up watching the live streams Yay. on Facebook. <laughs> Thank you so much, Sam. And you we'll too. Bye-bye. Take care.